0: All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 373. Jason Lindgren is with me and Benjamin Balderson is back. We're going to talk, well, directly about alchemy and the, the reemergence of so many of us out in the world are realizing that there's no lie in nature. And alchemy in my mind represents that truth. Uh, if you figure out things alchemically and you figure them out according to nature, when you're done, you know it's true or you know it's not. And it's basically that simple. Uh, But before we get in here, I want to say a few words about Georgia's hydrogen machines, Brown's gas machines. First of all, they're the real deal. My mother has a melanoma on top of her head. And when I put the topical gas on it, other like white crusty melanomas popped up. They have since flaked off and there's pink skin underneath. There's one, the original large one up front is reducing and that's just from topical use. Uh, My wife and I have used it. We got contacted by people who wanted to badmouth this whole thing. So I was put in a position where I had to do the due diligence, which I did. And I didn't find any reason for alarm. Um, I couldn't substantiate any of the claims, but I took a step further. I ordered from Japan, a machine called Holy hydrogen, which everyone is touting. And it too works. There is a difference between the Brown's gas and the volume of gas being created by George Wiseman's device and the Holy hydrogen. Uh, A lot less gas being produced. Uh, It's silent. It's tiny, not even the size of a coffee pot. Uh, The volume of gas is significantly less. And the sense you get of things having used both is that they're both legitimately working. I would estimate that George's machine is quicker and at a higher volume, if that's even the right way to express it. But here's what everyone needs to know: uh, in the sponsored link, George gave—I don't know—it's four or five hundred dollars off a purchase using the sponsored link. It got very popular. I think currently, and I'm recording this on November 16, 2021. There's a five out or a five-week back order right now. That's how many people got interested in this. As far as I know, when we pass through the new year, uh, the back order will be caught up pretty quickly or during that time, they'll be building. The other thing, I've been notified by people from Australia who said customs stopped the delivery. Um, I haven't seen this all the way through yet, but if I was you and I was in a place like Australia, I would just contact George directly because certainly he knows more than I do. But from my point of view, these things are the real deal. Lastly, I'm going to say a thing here and I hope your damn ears are open, follow the directions. Jason and I had a long talk about this. When Jason put his machine together, he told me he read through the directions a number of times. I did the same thing. You're going to start with lie. There's an exothermic property that's going to go on. You want to mix this outside. You want to do it exactly as the directions. You want to let it cool down. You do not want to be mixing the lie in the machine and allowing the exothermic basically the heating of the water to occur within the machine. And there's all these reasons. That's all I'm going to say. If you are interested in doing this for your plants or whatever you're interested in doing it, follow the directions. Don't be a dimwit. And that's about all I can add. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a very fine,
1: beautiful, good morning it is.
0: All right. Well, we got Ben here and we're going to get into most specifically Mercury. But in my view, these things should have been taught To all of us in school. This should have been part of the quadrivium, the trivium, the ideas that we're going to express here done out with all the metals. And the reason is, is because when people went back and looked at those old myths and other things, not just myths, all these tales where Apollo or someone else shows up, um, you would understand that there is an actual provable natural process being described. And it's not just a dude stealing cattle or Playing a trick on someone that's part of it, and there's learning and a message in the surface narrative,
1: but that narrative goes much deeper welcome ben thank you crow it's uh It's been an amazing three weeks i've been on, been on a pretty epic run, and also while breathing the browns gas i've just been having epiphanies like you wouldn't believe i'm having a hard time ordering everything right now. <laughs>
0: It's quite a thing Um, you you see, you know, it's, it's akin, you know, in a different way, it's akin to Clive and others where I'm being told, oh, you got to get surgery on your hand and Clive's all here, man, take this magnesium and I'm all, come on. So this hospital can't possibly know that if I took some magnesium, I wouldn't want a surgery. And, you know, what we're doing with the Browns gas and other things it's got, I can't even tell you, there are complete comment sections where people are getting into the transmutation we talked about when we had George on, and they're all about this. They're experimenting, they're doing all these things, and that brings us around to what you're going to cover with us today, which is one tiny cog and a very massive natural wheel that is often represented with elements, philosophical, uh, metals, metals. And other things within the natural scope of what we call alchemy or spagyrics. Absolutely,
1: that was your cue up. It was just a poor handoff. (laughs) I I thought Jason was going to read a point, and then it was going to be is is what I thought.
0: (laughs) Ben's busy huffing the brown's gas. That's what he's doing. Yeah, he's over there huffing the gas. (laughs) All right, let let's start, Jason. So we're going to talk about the mechanics of Mercury to start having an understanding of the planet Mercury, the metal the philosophy, and the different deities represented by Mercury, and we must first examine what the lab mechanics of Mercury are. So I'll cue it up for Ben. Uh, Anyone who's listening, go back to the, go look up online and try to find a good source. There's so many versions of the myths. Go get an old source and go look at the story of Mercury, the messenger. There's one with Apollo, some cattle, and other things. Read those tales, and then, In reverse, reply it to what Ben's about to lay down. There you go,
1: Ben. So when you look at Mercury and you go into the lab, you need to look at what Mercury's actually doing in order to start making a distinction between these things because it gets very confusing where Mercury's a planet, Mercury's a metal, Mercury's a god, all these different things. So the easiest way to do that is look at what the Mercury is actually doing. Now, when you're in a lab setting, what mercury is, is a solvent. And it's gonna take one thing that's solid and it's gonna incorporate that into itself and make that part of itself and turn it into a mixture. Now, when we talk in just a minute, we're gonna see where that exposes itself in the name and everything else. But the mercury is gonna take something. And dissolve it into itself and then make it so that's able to transition into something else. So something that was solid before that needs to move somewhere else now has that mobility and is now able to be accessed. So anytime we're talking about mercury, whether it's the metal, whether it's the the god, we're talking about this same mechanics. We're gonna, we're gonna Make this access, make this path, make this transition possible. That's what mercury does. And we can apply that in so many different ways. So, one of the things we're also going to always see with mercury, as far as a laboratory setting, is mercury is always going to be a liquid. And this is part of why the metal mercury is always associated on top of its mechanics. It's always going to have to be liquid because mercury. Is always going to have to unlock a solid uh, and dissolve it, make this solvency. Um, It's going to work most easily like uh, Kool Aid. When you're looking at Kool Aid, you've got this solid powder that you want to transition, and you take the water, and the water will dissolve that Kool Aid. Now, there's also the solvency and how far and how saturated it can become because that. Water cannot dissolve infinite amount of Kool-Aid. That's how you know this is a mix. It will only take in so much Kool-Aid and then it's full, the rest will precipitate down to the bottom and just be solid pieces down in the bottom because they were not dissolved by the material action. Okay, so as we
0: get into this, let's just do a quick frame out. I know you're going to get over to the myth, but if we're thinking of the zodiac, most modern Zodiacal wisdom has Mercury as the ruler of both Gemini and Virgo, so it's so hard to try to explain at a starting point the importance of what we're getting into. But the moment you know that there was an idea that this idea we're expressing, in this case, it's like a planet or that aspect of nature, uh, it actually rules two places, Gemini and Virgo. By the way, there are plenty of people who tell you the United States is ruled by Gemini. There's a whole thing there. Um, but what else would you add to frame it up so that we can show the just overwhelming sweep of relating to everything
1: that is actually true of what you're saying? With the, with the Gemini and Virgo thing, what you're going to see, the reason that Mercury is controlling that is uh, Gemini is going to be the twins, the fish, and then Virgo is going to be the Virgin and the mercurial fluids, what allows the transition of that to happen. So, When you're looking at that then now now that brings you to your immaculate conception type things uh, things like that where it's just again making this transition
0: so lastly before you go forward as everyone knows it's all also a so-called planet claimed to be the smallest well that's since pluto doesn't make our radar anymore but it's also supposedly closest to the sun I have sun gazed before and seen the planet Mercury with my naked eye transiting the face of the sun or the so-called planet. Um, I refer to them as luminaries, just so everyone knows. If I'm not mistaken, Ben, there's an interesting period. I think it's 88 days, which in a way uh, corresponds to a
1: a piano keyboard, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is actually going to be more easily expressed on the more human level where, uh, later on when we talk about where Mercury invents the lyre. So when Mercury invents the lyre, he takes, and there's a reason that it's specifically seven sheep guts. Uh, You're talking about your seven chakra points that happen in between the very top and the very bottom, because you actually have nine chakras and then Mercury's what's causing the seven in between. So when you're talking about on the world level, You have to express that in a much greater fashion. And then, uh, so it's much bigger. Then also the reason that you have the 88 um, is because Mercury is infinite. It's always going and making this transition back and forth, back and forth between the two sides. It's never one-sided. So it makes this infinity loop that goes back and forth in between these two sides and carries things back and forth, pieces and particles, pieces and particles. And either it dissolves it on one side, which is where you get the negative expression of mercury, where it's taking away from that side and dissolving it. And on the other side, it's fusing it or giving to it. So on that expression, it's always going to be like the Prince of Thieves, where, it's still, where Robin Hood, Robin Hood is an expression of mercury where he steals from the rich and gives to the poor. That is also going to be a signifier of what time period we are in the cycle because we have two basic periods. Uh, If you look at the yuga cycle and you look at the way that's laid out and you take and you lay a straight line uh, vertically down it, you can split it to a left side and a right side. Um, On the one side, it's going to be a more galvanic action And on the other side, it's going to be an electrolysis action. Now, when you're in the electrolysis action, Mercury is going to be stealing from the uh, uh, cathode or the gold and taking it to the lower levels. So now he's the prince of thieves. When you're in the galvanic cycle, then he's stealing from the low end and taking that back to the source. And so it's reducing back. And now he's a bad guy because now he's taking away. So when we're looking at these two expressions, whether it's negative or positive, we need to look at just what the action is doing. Is it dissolving and taking away or is it the thing that's giving at that point in time? And that's something that, again, we can take at and look and place, start making time markers in these stories. And again, the sky clock is the clock. So it's these actions that we see happening that starts telling us where we are at what point in the story we're in. Is Mercury a good guy or a bad guy? And we can tell that and say, are we in the galvanic half or in the electrolysis half?
0: You know, If you just do simple lookups and um, Mercury in the modern day, the meanings associated, it's a messenger, it's a thief as Ben just pointed out. Uh, it's so many things it has to do with business. It has to do with commerce. It has to do with so many things, but the reason it's important to know what we're trying to lay down a very complex set of ideas, it's not lost on the people who use it. Do you guys remember the old, uh, cartoon of Hercules that Disney did probably in the nineties, if I had to guess. Yeah. Mercury is in there, right? You know who played Mercury, uh, the little guy with the wings, you know, the winged messenger which also reflects what Ben's laying down, it was Paul, David Letterman's piano band leader. Paul, there's the relationship again. The 88 and Paul, who plays the piano, who's a master of piano, master of the 88 keys, is playing Mercury. These things are never lost on the folks putting this stuff together. And so let's just move through, Ben, and do the best we can to blow it out um, because there's really nothing it doesn't apply to if you're talking about nature absolutely it, it, if it's alive and in nature mercury made that happen it's a big deal you know I was almost hoping to see in your notes um, but you kind of touched on it there everyone's familiar with the 49ers in California finding their gold but not too many people grasp why are they always putting mercury
1: in with the gold should we address that absolutely so now that we've talked about the mechanics of the mercury let's start looking at the different pieces and aspects of mercury. Metal is one of them. Now, again, with the mercury metal, we call it quicksilver. Quicksilver is liquid, as opposed to all your other metals at room temperature, which are going to be a solid. Now, with the exception of a very few things, including lead, lead mercury doesn't really want to mix with too well. Uh, Other than that, and also uh, iron, Iron and lead, mercury doesn't want to mix with too well. And so that's an opposite reaction when you're talking about the way the chemistry is working. But for the most part, everything else, mercury's an amalgam. And when you're talking about an amalgam, it's where mercury has now grabbed on to, say, gold, silver, platinum, anything like that and incorporated it into itself. And now the two things are one mixture. So like we were explaining with the Kool-Aid, this is just a, a word for a, the metal level is amalgam. What we just have is a mixture of these two metals now. But these two metals aren't actually bonded together. They're just mixed. They haven't, they haven't uh, done some of the things like where you take in heat, iron, And get it to drop out its carbon molecules so that way it'll bond with another metal and grab onto it and make an actual alloy. This isn't an alloy, this is this is an amalgam. Now, so then later, like what Crow just said, what people that are trying to just get gold do is they'll take gold that's in a pile of rock and and mineral and things like that, and you're gonna pour this mercury right over top of it. This mercury is literally going to grab this gold and suck it right into itself. It's just going to snatch it right up. And now that gold is going to become part of the mercury. Leaving the debris
0: behind to make the point, right? So you've got gold that's got all this junk you don't want in it. You add the mercury, the mercury grabs the gold. Now, when you extract that amalgam, all the junk you didn't want is left behind, right?
1: Yes. Because the mercury is still going to be liquid. So then you just strain the mercury out. It falls right out of this debris. And then you just go and heat the mercury because mercury's got a much lower boiling point than uh, gold. You just heat the mercury and in a flask, it it evaporates out and leaves the gold behind.
0: Where, where does mercury, it must be mined somewhere. I've never, I'm sitting here thinking about it. I've never really gone to look. Um,
1: how is that extracted out of the earth, Quicksilver? So there are some you know, pools of mercury, but most, for the most part, most of your mercury is going to be extracted out of cinnabar. So cinnabars are really pretty, pretty red crystal, and you're going to go ahead and cook that. And just from the heat of cooking that, the mercury is going to break off and sweat itself out. And that's how you're going to extract mercury and, and being derived from merc- or cinnabar, which is this brilliant, brilliant red crystal that do- decomposes very easily in air, by the way, it turns into arsenic, this brilliant red crystal. Well, then when you're dealing with the stages of mercury, you're talking about at that final stage mercury goes back to the red mercury, which is supposed to be like your super amalgamator, you know, that it can make the transition of anything. It's just going to eat everything. So it's very interesting. Then it was derived from that red crystal though. A common crystal cinnabar. Yeah. Yep. Cinnabar is very real common, real common, Um, real easy to get. Uh, Like I said, you don't, Most people don't keep a lot of it because it decomposes super easy. It ends up uh, turning into uh, yellow and flaking off and breaking down real easy. But uh, real easy, real common to get. It's just most people don't know how to make it. And most people, when they assume they're going to get mercury, just order mercury. Where uh, I've ordered pallets of uh, quartz with cinnabar, orpiment, things like that. Because I used to have uh, a crystal company. On uh, Main Street, a little crystal store, um, and I used to order pallets from India of stuff, and uh, cinnabar came with it all the time. Very pretty, again, also poisonous. So be careful with it if you do deal with it.
0: What gets left behind, isn't it? Isn't it some terrible toxic thing when you when you burn the quicksilver out of it?
1: Yeah, yeah, horribly toxic. That's going to be your arsenic. It's going to it's going to be a horrible poison. You're not going to like it. And again, that's just going to naturally happen as it decomposes also, but you're making that decomposition happen really fast when you're heating it up. So you're just trying to get that to decompose super fast. Um, And then obviously you put it in a flask situation so that way you can catch the mercury as it's sweating out and evaporating. So let's use another common
0: example that people will be familiar with to show how often these things get used in our face and how few of us follow what's being laid down. Is everyone familiar with the Silver Surfer? The Silver Surfer is in fact Mercury, Quicksilver. Um, he is the messenger for Galactus. Galactus is wearing the little Mercury horns on his head, the you know the consumer of worlds. Um, there's the tale wrapped up again in a thing that went out to every young mind, no one ever being taught or shown the correlation of part of what's being encoded there. And by the way, I would point out before Ben moves on, the atomic number for Mercury is 80. And get this, the melting point for Mercury is negative 37 Fahrenheit. It's crazy. It's very unique. And clearly, when you see things like this, you have to come to the conclusion, this place is a creation. How is it that all these little things that make everything work Mercury being a big part of how things work. How could
1: they ever have just come to be here randomly? Mm. Wouldn't, uh, let's see, 37 Fahrenheit. I I just had to do this calculation in my head quick. Wouldn't that be about 35 Celsius, which would be 8? 38,
0: negative 38.83 Celsius,
1: negative 37.89 Fahrenheit. Yeah, I knew that at negative 40 is where they they meet up again. And uh, I knew it was right close to there. Well, it's
0: interesting too, because it, it it melts at negative 37 Fahrenheit, but its
1: boiling point is all the way up 674 degrees Fahrenheit. It's crazy. Yeah, that's very interesting that it wants to stay in that liquid state yep. uh, so much, so very much. So now that we're we're explaining the metal, now we can look at some of the names and try and make sense of that, which one of the other names is the Latin name, the hydrogyro Now- I know when you look at Wikipedia, they immediately take you to hyrogyrus and they don't break it down, but the hydro or hydra is water and then gyrum is specifically snake or circuit or course. So when you're looking at the the HG, the hydrogyrum, you're talking about the water snake and this is going to set the course for where the energy is going to flow. Um, I want everybody to remember the horns of Galactus when we move on and the way the Silver Surfer is acting and what those horns are going to represent. But this, the (coughs) Mercury in and of itself is the water snake and the snake bites its tail again, because it always goes back and forth from anode to cathode, anode to cathode, no matter whether it's stealing from one side and giving to the other. No matter which way that transaction is happening, either way, it has to do that back and forth. Both transactions have to happen. And so you get this infinity. Now, it's very interesting because then when you look at the, uh, when you encapsulate Mercury, like they did with the Dendera bulbs, things like that, where they're igniting the Mercury and not letting the Mercury, because it's encapsulated, make its return path where the gas of the mercury as it's activating actually literally looks like the head of a snake and turns into this snake and it doesn't it wants to go back and complete itself but it can't and then they use that in order to produce gas in order to produce light and keep this energy going that should have expressed itself and then grounded itself out like lightning does where when you're looking at lightning you've got a transaction of energy between the sky and the ground and this hat usually expresses itself in lightning in a really short quick manner well this is capturing that expression and not allowing it to to complete itself so that way it goes back into its its zero state where with lightning when we lightning we all understand starts from the ground where basically a tube of voltage shoots up from the ground into the sky and we can't see that. Now then what we can see is the expression of the amperage side where the lightning then fires down and zeros everything back out as it strikes the ground. So we're only able to see just the one part of it. That doesn't mean that the entire transaction didn't happen. And this is again why we have to have this water snake. It always needs to be a liquid or a gaseous state because the solid can't dissolve another solid. That's just not how things work. <laughs> can you pull? I don't. I don't know if you
0: can. Can you pull the Hydra? The idea of the Hydra, which is pulled from ancillary miss again, the Disney cartoon of Hercules. That's one of Hercules' labors. How many labors does Hercules have? He has twelve because there are twelve stations of the sun in a year. Just so everybody knows. And you know, to put it further into context, how do we know Hercules is Hercules? Well, the Vatican tried to pass Hercules off as someone else, but we knew that it was Hercules because he had the Cleonian lion skin in the club telling everyone, hey, I'm really Hercules, no matter what saint the Vatican wants to make me. They're just robbing from an older idea, which is actually describing a natural process of the world within a certain period of the acceptable year of the Lord or the sky clock however you want to look at it, but is there any, you're talking about the water snake. Is there any correlation that you know of to the Hydra, the many headed snake, the many headed snake, where if you cut off one head,
1: another one grows or two more grow. Absolutely. It, it, the the snake is again, just going to be your material element. And when you're looking at that fight, the, when you're looking at Hercules or in uh, Germanic cosmology, that would be Tor. Tor has to go fight Jormungandr, the world snake. So you're talking about your salt level and your mercurial and those two have to meet because that mercury needs to open that salt up it needs to dissolve it so that's always going to be the fight right there is between the mercury and the <clears throat> between the mercury and the salt now always when we're looking at those stories and this is part of why it gets very confusing between the mercury and the sulfur or the sun or the the energetic portion of it Because that is already riding inside of the Mercury. That's why, again, when we look at the Silver Surfer, the Silver Surfer comes and always Galacticus is right behind him. He's going to be the sulfur portion, the heavy energy load that's going to come. And in the Silver Surfer's expression of it, the Galacticus is negative. So he's coming as the destroyer rather than the creator, which that's always going to have the two, both sides. And that's always going to depend on the Mercury in and of itself, whether it's which side that it's doing is he's going cause he's the one that's controlling this transition. And even though in the comic, Mercury doesn't want Galacticus to destroy all these worlds. And he's supposedly the, uh, going to all these worlds to help them is the narrative in there. You see that he's always the harbinger of that coming because Galacticus is actually riding on Mercury in order to come and do that. That's always what we're going to see. Now, I I also wanted to touch back real quick on the metal of mercury because in in the United States, we've been taught how very poisonous this is. And I I want to say that when you're talking about a solvent, anytime you're talking about a solvent and you take it in and it's not been saturated, it's going to want to grab whatever it can and fill itself up. That's what solvents do. So when you're talking about mercury that has not been prepared, and that's been used in different medical things, if the mercury is not prepared right, absolutely, it's going to have a solvency to it, and it's going to grab onto things, and that can be very poisonous for you. Now, if you take and you look at uh, Indian medicine, India-Indian medicine, they use mercury a lot, but what they're doing is they're saturating the mercury with gold. They call it feeding it with gold. And they sit with these gold flakes and these little uh, sheets of gold, uh, like the gold foil, and they sit and they feed that into the mercury. And they'll do that until the mercury takes on basically a solid state and becomes solid enough that they can hold it, shape it, and it'll just sit there perfectly solid. They wear it in a necklace because once that thing has become saturated, now it's no longer solvent, it's no longer liquid, just like you try just like you fill in a mud puddle with enough mud, it eventually just kind of becomes that goo, that concrete that's what we're talking about with the mercury now now that the mercury has reached its solvency, it can no longer dissolve that action is not even available to it. That negative side of the mercury where it's dissolving is not even available. It needs to take and do the other action. So at that point in time, they'll take and put that mercury, this prepared mercury into water or into different things to make these different tinctures, because now through the mercury, that gold is going to be released into what you're dealing with, because now it has to do that other action. Now that it's filled itself up to saturation, now it's going to have to release that. And that's Mercury's other action is making that transition and that release because the Mercury isn't part of that. It's just an amalgam. It wants to go back to being itself and because that isn't an alloy. An alloy wants to stay. This is just an amalgam and they're going to try and separate again. And now that that's happening, you're taking in the gold into whatever tincture that you've made and this gold has been processed through Mercury because like we're going to talk about when we start looking at the symbology, one of the reasons that it looks like a sine wave on the bottom of Mercury's staff where, these, uh, where you get the two snakes that loop is because one of Mercury's jobs, and this is another thing that the metal does, that Mercury rectifies. So back in the day, all you had to do was stick an antenna up in the air and this energy This frequency that was in the air that you could not hear, you could not see, could not make use of, Mercury grabs that right out of the air like magic and then feeds that to you and you just grab onto the the back end of that. And now you can see this frequency. This has been rectified and it was used in batteries and all kinds of things for this rectifying action that it's going to have where it takes this high, radiant, wild energy and turns it into something usable for us. And that's going to be the big deal for Mercury. We're also going to see that in a lot of these mythologies, the gods are all angry because Mercury is giving things to men, making things available for men. Well, that's because Mercury is rectifying this energy in order for us to make use of it. You know, it's
0: interesting how you laid down uh, the Indian methods for using an almost natural science, well, identically, a natural science alchemical use with mercury. Think, if I'm not mistaken, Ben, they used to treat syphilis with uh, a mercury created, what's it called? Is it mercurochrome? Is that what I'm looking for? Yep. Yeah. Mercurochrome, you bet. But what's interesting is there's no alchemy left to it. There's what, If I remember correctly, what they're saying, is there's an infection here, and this is antiseptic. I think I've got that right, but it's it's, it's a million miles away from the actual alchemical science that you were demonstrating in the use of old India. It's crazy how all this got scrubbed out. And by the way, uh, mercuricombe is red, if
1: I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. And we're talking about the different alchemical stages, and in that, we're going back to the red, and now that's becoming a beneficial healing thing for you. And it was used in actually a number of different skin diseases and some different things for your eyes, also. I believe cataracts, maybe. Yeah, I think, I think Bacurecomb was banned for fear of poisoning
0: in this country, or at least partially. But while you were talking about the water snake, I, I wanted, I forgot, I wanted to mention, does everyone remember Robert Palmer, the old musician? Uh, you got a face that you're addicted to love guy. He always had a suit on. Before 9-11, he did a remake of Bang-A-Gong, which, who is that? Mark Bolin. I forget who wrote Bang-A-Gong. Get it on. He did the remake. Go go on YouTube and look that up. Robert Palmer. That's who you're looking Robert for. Robert Palmer. Yeah. Uh, he did the remake of Bang-A-Gong. And so if you look at the background in that video, you'll see that it's a pre-echo. It's the messenger telling you 9-11 is going to happen. But within that, within that, lyric is the teeth of the hydra are upon you. Anyhow, that was a little out of place, Ben, but I wanted to point it out again to show people are using this right in front of our eyes. And we don't have a damn clue that anything's going on other than Robert Palmer in a nice suit.
1: No, that that was good stuff. And and absolutely the teeth or are the, are the hydra upon you. This transition's right. getting ready to happen. They're getting ready to throw this charge at you. And it's going to be negative. They've told us that or else it would be Again, when we look at Mercury, when Mercury's Robin Hood, let's, let's use Jason and the Argonauts real
0: quick. I'm sorry for interrupting. They take the Hydra's teeth um, and they throw them on the ground. And what do they turn into? Skeletons. Go ahead, Ben. It's backing up the negative application.
1: Absolutely. So as opposed to where you look at like the Robin Hood, where it's the positive application, now he's the hero. He's taking from this other thing and giving to us poor folk that don't have anything. So it's all depending on the application, and that's what we need to look at in the story. And again, when we're looking at mythologies, that starts timing the mythologies where we start seeing these different gods have different roles, and now we can start understanding why. Because depending on what's going on in the chemical transitions, that's going to express that. So, you know, just to make the point again,
0: how many people have seen Jason and the Argonauts, the old one, 62, 63, I think it's 63 if I remember, because when I was young, it was my favorite movie. The entirety of that story is bound to the sky clock. It is bound to the natural science ideas that Ben is expressing. He's expressing one small part of them, the golden ram skin, the golden fleece. Come on. Does anyone need to be told what that is? Um, They're going to Aries. That would be the crown, the highest expression. Within the zodiac, it would be the sign of Aries, um, and gold. Uh, and Ben has hinted to what gold is. Basically, gold is the king of metals. By the way, when when we're ranking out the metals, most people would think gold, silver, and they go down the line. Where does
1: quicksilver go in all that when you rank them down? So Quicksilver does not decompose the same way as other things do um, at all. So when you're ranking them, what you're looking at is the uh, order of stability. When you're looking at your n- noble metals, where gold, we all know, does not oxidize. Oxidation is, is a mercurial action where it's breaking apart these particles of, say, silver and now carrying that over to the gold side. And the gold will not does not want to do that action in any way. You've actually got, got to take some very, very strong acids In order to start breaking apart gold, that's a a mix of hydrochloric acid and sulfuric in order to try and get that. Now, that's very interesting also because then gold not breaking down in in the oxygen, well, that's more of a base reaction. So these other metals underneath it are breaking down in a more base type way where oxygen is breaking apart. These particles of metal and splitting them into two halves. Now, that's a very interesting thing when, like, when you're looking at George's Brown's gas machine. When that's the same as like a battery, any type of an electrolysis situation. And it's extremely interesting because when you're looking at like a battery, when you start throwing that charge into the battery and that particle splits, the negative or electron side of that is going to pass directly. That's not going to carry through the mercurial fluid. That just that negative side is going to pass directly. And that's going to come when we're looking at uh, Mercury as the psychopomp and all the other psychopomp characters, they only transition the soul. They don't transition the spirit. They're the transition, the transitioner of the soul. So the negative side, this masculine side is traveling through the crystal, through this more direct bridge. And that's the way masculine things move. They move in very direct straight lines where now the feminine side, that's going to break off into this material fluid and just kind of float freely. Now, when this masculine side gets over to the other side, whether it's moving cathode anode or anode to cathode it's going to change the charge of that thing because now it's got that extra negative energy and that extra negative energy is going to now draw the positive to it. And the other very interesting thing that I'm finding when we're dealing with this Brown's gas machine is when you're looking at the sludge that's getting transmuted, as is being said, I think the only thing that's actually getting transmuted is the electricity. The electricity or the negative side itself, because the only thing that you're adding to that machine when you're looking at it is a distilled water, which when you're looking at that is just the hydrogen and oxygen. The oxygen is the negative side of the reaction. The hydrogen is the positive side of the reaction. So that's just your material fluid. Then the only other thing you're actually ever adding into the system is actual electricity. Yet you're developing all of this sludge and these particles inside of it without anything breaking down inside the system except for the water. He pointed out that the metal has not lost any weight. Yes, exactly. The metal has not lost any weight, which is just absolutely amazing. So now we have to look and see what actually is being added into the system. And that's electricity, which is going to be your negative side of this energetic expression. And then what that negative side is going to cause is a drawing of of this positive side. So what I think in the test that I want to do is seal the system up so it does not have access to the outside air because I think that the negative expression, as it passes through these plates, the plates are uh, programming the negative side. And now that the negative side has been programmed, it's automatically grabbing the positive ions that are just floating around in the air and the two are merging inside of the electrolytic fluid, which is your mercury. Because when then when you're looking at the great work and when you're looking at spigerics, what the mercury in and of itself is doing is, again, allowing the transition of one thing into another. So we have the sulfur or your high energy side. That's where you're... Your spark your energy, your positive. And then you have your salt, which is your negative side. Now the mercurial fluid is going to open up this salt and allow the transition of this energy or this sulfur to enliven the salt. And so that's going to complete this circuit. Now the entire circuit's been completed and now the chemical reaction stopped. Everything will settle down and we have a nice solid thing mercury is always trying to make this transition now in a battery we want to keep that in an active state or in the world we're trying to keep that in an active state so it's always this transition back and forth back and forth which is part of why we end up going through these cycles where like on the last show where i was talking about when we have we go through half of the time we're going to go through a galvanic more more of a galvinic portion of things where we have a wearing away of these different uh, luminaries. On the opposition to that, when a Ragnarok event comes or the world creation was happening, that was an an electrolysis side. And that's going to also be half the time. And during the electrolysis side, it seems like uh, there's a lot more available power throughout the world like that's more of the time of gods and monsters they talk about uh when you look at germanic mythology gold is abundant everywhere during the electrolysis time Um, so things seem to be a little work a little bit different for the inside anyways rather than the galvanic time where things are all kind of pulling back to the source and becoming one again and which would be the battery depleting out. And again, then needs to go back into that other cycle in order to, so that way it doesn't just solidify and die and become solid.
0: Okay. So before we get into the myth, which we're going to creep into here, I wanted to ask what, what would happen if you took a solid gold ring and dropped it in quicksilver, would the ring come apart? Yes, it would eat it. And it would just, it would absorb until it was full. Yep, exactly. All right. I'm going to lead us into the myth part. So Mercury, as everybody knows, is a planet. The symbol for Mercury is the caduceus, which also has the eight idea wrapped up in it. Uh, It's winged sandals. There's the messenger idea. There's a winged hat. There's often a tortoise, a ram, and a rooster associated. The day of the week would be Wednesday, of course. Um, In myth, the parents would be Maya and Jupiter. There are variations on that. Uh, He has a consort named Larunda. He has children. Uh, Larry's or Laertes I've forgotten in the Greek, it's Hermes, but there's also an Etruscan and a Hindu equivalent in Etruscan. The idea of Hermes or Mercury's would be terms uh, in the Hindu. It would be Narada. This is universal. And the reason it is universal is because nature is universal. But are you ready to jump into the myth, I can cue us into it uh, if that's where we're going to go here. I'll, I'll just cue us into it. Yes. Everyone, look up the Mercury Apollo myth. There's a few interesting things right off the bat. And you've got to understand anything that happens in that myth has deeper meaning and is reflecting an aspect of nature, among other things. Most of these myths are also couching an alchemical procedure or principle or part of the great work or Lord, Lord only knows. But what's interesting is Mercury is introduced to us as a young half-brother of Apollo, the sun god, archer, truth teller, and musician. Some people have a problem with Apollo being the sun god, by the way, but it's a story of theft, of dishonesty, of a very young, never do well Mercury Uh, has to do with a herd of cattle. And I'll let Ben pick it up. Actually, maybe Jason should read us in with number four.
1: Mercury the deity. Hermes was the emissary and messenger of the gods, the divine trickster god of boundaries and thieves. He is described as moving freely between worlds of mortal and divine and is a conductor of souls to the afterlife. He is a patron of travelers.
0: Before Ben jumps in, I will point out, you've been told so much about how it affects the soul but not the spirit. Now you can say S-O-U-L-S, as in we all have souls, or you can talk about the sun, S-O-L-S. Sounds like is like there's a relation. And so do you see that the soul, S-O-L-S, the sun is representative of gold, which has been demonstrated endlessly, has a direct relationship to Mercury's purpose in this world. All right, I'm going to wrap our one right now before we get into the myth. So that brings hour one of episode 373 with Jason Lindgren and Ben Balderson talk about alchemy, Mercury myth. And just about everything there is in the world that relates to natural systems, because Mercury is a piece of every piece of that story. That's not said very well, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Anyways, uh, I hope you'll join us all over at crow77radio.com, 7 radiocom crrow seven seven radiocom where membership has access to the full show. With that, I would like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers.